This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Uh, women can eat leisurely. <laughs> but due to our time constraints with Mincha, you know, our rabbis tell us that there are many different character traits in a teacher that makes his teachings receptive to students. I want to elicit all of them. It's the wrong word. I, won't, I will not delineate all of them. Um, but just suffice it to say, knowing many people that know Rabbi Gladstein in New York, people that know him, grew up with him, people who really enjoy his classes, Rabbi Gladstein is a person who is completely dedicated to learning for the sake of teaching, dedicated to really understanding Torah at its greatest depths and giving over that understanding, in preparing those talks in a way so that they're the greatest way, the greatest way for people to relate to them, that should resonate with his audience. That's beyond the character traits, the Amelis Batoro. Uh, it's not my class. But uh, <laughs> we're very fortunate. I, we're very, very fortunate. I've been hoping to get Rabbi Gladstein to San Diego for a while, that the opportunity came to bring really such, such, really one of the outstanding rabbis of our generation one of the outstanding Tamei Chachamim, and it's really our great pleasure and privilege to have Rabbi Glastin here in La Jolla, and thank you, Rabbi Glastin, so much for gracing us with your presence and with your words of Torah. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi Paikis, for the very warm, generous, and exaggerated introduction. <laughs> Much appreciated. It's really a pleasure to be here. You know, if you have to be in Golos, San Diego's not a bad place. So this uh, talk was introduced to me um, about a day ago. We had this whole uh, San Diego stint mapped out. We're going to speak in the uh, big shul, Bershus Rabbi Reich. Um, we're going to speak in Rabbi Reich's shul, and we're going to speak in the school. And then, is it okay if I speak for 15 minutes at the dinner? Of course. But that was the last speech that I had in my head. And as of this afternoon, we were going to speak about teshuva. And then I said to myself, "Enough tesh- how much teshuva could people do already? We'll hear about the teshuva later. And what I would like to share with you, while you enjoy this uh, fine cuisine is the proper feeling and perspective and attitude that one should have standing before God on Rosh Hashanah. There's a very interesting expression that we articulate in the Musaf prayer of Rosh Hashanah. In, we add to the Shemona Esrei three blessings, Malchios, about God's sovereignty, dominion, Shoifara, Zechroinois, God's all-encompassing remembrance, and shoifarais, the shoifar. And we end the brach of shoifarais. Ki shoifar. You, Almighty, you hear the sounds of the shoifar. And then we add this very unusual phrase. We say, ve'ein doime lach. There's no one like you. No kidding. Why do we say that? What does that have to do with the shoifar? 
That's a phrase you could inject in any tefillah. You want to say in Matoivu? Matoivu Halacha Yaakov, how goodly are your tents, Jacob. And God, you know what? Ain't doimalach, nobody's like you. You could stick it into Asher Yatsar, you come out of, take care of your needs. You say, God, you created man with wisdom. There's nobody like you. I mean, you could literally say those words in any prayer. God, there's no one like you. Why inject them at the very end of the blessing about the shofar? There's no one like God. That's a irrelevant statement. But obviously, if the men of the great assembly, you know, who formulated our prayers? It's not like, you know, two poets sat down and they said, let's come up with beautiful, uh, powerful words to pray. 120 of the greatest all-time sages, among them prophets, who, are, who know how the heavens work and what exact formula to say to elicit divine favor. They convened and they, they compiled the perfect prayer for a Jew to say to access the mercy of heaven. And this great assembly of 120 sages, they have formulated that on Rosh Hashanah you should say, God, there's no one like you in the context of the Shaifah. There's a very interesting comment of the Torah. The Torah is one of the great Rishonim, the son of the Rush of Toledo, Spain. And he writes that typically if somebody was on trial and somebody was uh, undergoing a capital case, then it's a very uh, heart-wrenching experience. It's a, very, it's a gut-wrenching experience. People are, tend to be very anxious and they don't have the wherewithal and they don't have the mindset to dress in their best and to be well-groomed because they're so anxious about the case. Not so on Rosh Hashanah. On Rosh Hashanah we don our finest and we take a haircut and we wear white. Why, says the Rush? We're confident. What are we confident in? Says the Rush, listen to these words. Says the Torah. We're confident God will make a miracle for us. Miracle? What miracle? There are no miracles on Rosh Hashanah. Maybe we go to Shul, we sit there, we pray, and we go home. What's the miracle? What miracle are we confident in? So there's a little known halacha that really sheds light on this whole subject. This halacha is not really in practice nowadays because we have various modes of communication that render the halacha somewhat obsolete. And that is, let's say I don't see my friend, see me and uh, Dr. Phil over here, even though I don't see him live, but we actually, I probably see him more than his family because... You know, we learn together a couple times a week on Zoom. So I don't know if that counts, but that, that has bearing on this halacha. If you don't see your friend for 30 days, you're supposed to make a blessing. Because I didn't, I didn't hear about you. I didn't hear from you. I didn't know what could have happened to you. And you're still alive. Blessed are you, Lord that you allowed this God, allowed me to reach this occasion in my life to meet my friend again. But the Gemara tells us that if you haven't seen your friend in 12 months, then you make a different blessing. And that blessing is, Baruch Atah Hashem, blessed are you God. Eloikeinu melech ha'ilam, mechayei You brought the dead back to life. I haven't seen my friend in 12 months. I don't know what could have happened to him. God resurrected him. So the Marsha, one of the great 
classic medieval commentaries, Rav Shmuel Edels, that was his name. Now, Edels actually was his mother-in-law's name. Now, why would a good guy name himself after his mother-in-law? That's a big question. It's because, and this is... Why are you laughing? (laughs) (laughs) So, the answer is, um, the Marsha had a very wealthy mother-in-law who supported him... (laughs) Something I said? (laughs) The Marsha had a wealthy mother-in-law who supported his, his Torah study for two years. He was so indebted to her that he adopted her name. His name was Rav Shmuel Edels. And he explained this Gemara in, in a very important way. We make a very fundamental error when it comes to Rosh Hashanah. We say, I'm going to go to Shul. In 5782, in Tavshin Pei I had a good year. I was alive. I had my health. I had my livelihood. I had my children. It's in my back pocket. It's mine. The presumptive status is, it's mine. And I'm going to go to shul and I'm going to ask God, God, just let things continue to be. Let the status quo continue. Let everything, all life and all of its blessing and all of its gifts, let it just continue to be in my back pocket. But in fact, that's not what happens. When we stand before God in Rosh Hashanah, the lease is over. The deal is over. God gives life for a year at a time. He gives health for a year at a time. He gives children for a year at a time. He gives livelihood for a year at a time. He gives our everything we have, all of our life and all the blessings of it, is a one-year lease. And we stand before God on Rosh Hashanah, like we say in the Slichot, We knock on His door like paupers. We're not asking God to continue our life. We're asking Him to give us a year of life. We're not asking Him to continue our livelihood. We're asking Him to give us livelihood. We're not asking God, let me keep my children. We're asking Him to gift it to us again. There are no no guarantees. Nothing's in the bank. Not livelihood, not health, not children, not life. We stand before God, literally, like we have nothing. And we're not asking God to continue. We're asking Him to give from scratch. Says the Marsha, if you haven't seen someone for 12 months and they've made it through a Rosh Hashanah, they're not still alive. They have been resurrected. And therefore the blessing to make is, blessed are you God, that you resurrected the dead. That's a very powerful idea. That's a very powerful concept. The miracle that we are confident in in Rosh Hashanah. On Rosh Hashanah, a miracle takes place. In fact, I once saw in a Sefer of Responsa, Shalat Shuvas Halachas Ketanois, he asks, the Gemara asks a very interesting question. The Gemara wants to know, why don't we say Halel on Rosh Hashanah? We don't. But the Gemara asks, we should, and I want to especially thank our very gracious sponsors this evening for this beautiful and lovely event. Thank you very much. We bless you that your home should always be open for Taira, for Gemilas Chasadim. May Hashem's blessing continue to pour through to this Mishpacha and to this home for many happy and healthy years. The, the miracle that we are confident in on Rosh Hashanah is the miracle of the resurrection of the dead. Now that's a very special miracle. It's actually 
the greatest miracle in God's arsenal. Now that's a very big statement because there are a lot of miracles in God's arsenal. For instance, you know a baby, when a baby is in utero, so where does it get its oxygen from? When a person is born, it gets its oxygen, the blood goes to the right atria, then to the right ventricle, and then the heart pumps the blood to the lungs so the lungs oxygenate the, the blood. But in a baby, the baby's heart doesn't send the blood to the lungs to be oxygenated because the mother's oxygen is going straight to the baby. So the blood doesn't go from the right atria to the right ventricle. It actually goes straight from the right atria to the left one. How does it get there? There's a hole in the heart of the baby. Now how long could a person survive with a hole in their heart? It would be impossible to survive even for a moment. So how does the baby survive? When the baby comes out, the baby cries. When the baby cries, it creates pressure, to, pressure in the chest cavity that automatically seals up the heart every time. That's a pretty impressive miracle. No surgery, no insurance. It happens by itself. No referrals. That's an amazing miracle. That's not the greatest miracle of all. The greatest miracle in God's repertoire, and God's arsenal, is the miracle of the resurrection of the dead. You know how we refer to that miracle? Ata gibar You are mighty, God. You resurrect the dead. You support the fallen. You are trustworthy to those who lay in the ground. Who, are, who is like you? Who could be compared to you? is a very specific reference. It refers to the greatest miracle in God's arsenal. The miracle of the resurrection of the dead. Here's another instance. On Shabbos we say, Nobody is equal to you in this world. There's nobody but you in the world to come. There's nothing except for you in the times of Mashiach. But when it comes to the resurrection of the dead, there's nothing that compares to, to you. The Gemara tells us if somebody was out on a boat and they fall, fell off the boat and they went to the bottom of the ocean 5,000 years ago and their molecules have disintegrated and scattered throughout the universe. The day will come where God will knock on the grave and He will reconstitute the person's molecules through the miracle of the resurrection of the dead. Amar Hashem mi bashan ashev, ashev mi that's the greatest miracle in God's arsenal. When does that happen? Does that only happen in the end of days? It happens once a year. It happens every Rosh Hashanah. Every Rosh Hashanah we have to feel that we stand before Hashem without anything. Without life, without health, without children, without livelihood. And we're not asking God to continue the lease. We're asking Him to perform the greatest miracle in his arsenal, and that is the miracle of the resurrection of the dead. And therefore, 
in the blessing of Shoifar, we say, Ki ata kol shoifar. You hear the sound of the shoifar. Now, listen carefully. When was the first time God resurrected the dead? There was a man in the Garden of Eden. He's a tall man, good-looking man. Our sages tell us his ankle was so bright, it made the sun pale in comparison. His name was Adam Harishain. And God brought him to life. When did God bring him to life? When He instilled His soul into him. The Zohar says, the Holy Zohar says, how did God blow the soul into Adam Arishain? Kebal toikea, like someone who blows into the shofar. In fact, the sages tell us, the shofar resembles the nose of a person, and the blowing of the shofar is reminiscent of God blowing the soul into Adam Arishain. And that happened on the first Rosh Hashanah in history, the sixth day of creation. And that happens annually every Rosh Hashanah. The great miracle of the resurrection of the dead. And the more we stand before Hashem with this humble attitude of not expecting anything and not being confident in anything, the humbler we are, any year that is humble in the beginning, is wealthy, is successful in the end of the year. So I feel very fortunate to be here at the end of the year with such a um, wonderful group of committed and dedicated and devoted Jews here on the West Coast and look forward, Be'ezus Hashem, to uh, sharing more thoughts with you a little bit later. I wish you all Bracha v'hatzlacha. Thank you so much for having me and enjoy the rest of the evening. Thank you. Bracha You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.